Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Monday to you. For those of you that are live streaming with us, I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, it is a beautiful day here. We've had some amazing weather. I sound like the old person I know, but I, I just like I'm a different human being when I see the sun outside and get to go out and be in it. So I enjoyed it over the weekend. I hope you did too. And um, I'm excited to, to start off this week with a really interesting uh, and compelling conversation with who I feel like is a, a longtime friend of mine at this point. I'm going to introduce Taylor here in just a second. But for those of you that are live streaming with us, please don't be shy. Jump in on the conversation. That's part of the benefit of these live streams is you get to ask our guests questions, be part of the conversation. Do not be shy. If you're at facebook.com slash Boca Podcast, youtube.com slash Boca Podcast, just jump in there, start to comment, ask questions along the way. There's an incredible opportunity for that here. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version after the fact, Come join us. Be part of the live stream sometime. If you follow us at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast on Instagram, you can, of course, keep up to date with the upcoming live streams and come be part of them. So take advantage of that as well. And then last thing before I bring Taylor in, I want to remind everybody, encourage everybody to look for opportunities to give back, whether in your local community, national, international organizations. I'm popping up my receipt as I do before Boca Podcast episodes. Um, it just to, as proof of my, my donation to the organization that I like to give to, it's called Charity Water. But I started doing this a long, long time ago now. One of our guests, Sean Lee, came on and really kind of encouraged me and pushed me in this regard. And so I want to do the same thing for you all. Encourage you all to look for opportunities to give back. All right. Well, on that note, I, I want to bring... Our return guest, actually, Taylor's, Taylor, you've been with us now. This is the third podcast episode. You're like extra, extra special. I know. I feel like we're becoming BFF so fast, Nathan. <laughs> it, it's true. Well, and, and conversation flows pretty easy between us. Um, and it's probably a good thing, actually. Today's format's going to be a little bit different. You're, you're going to be bringing part of a course. And we're going to talk more about your course here in a little while. But you actually get to kind of lead the conversation. It's almost like you're the host today, uh, which is probably a good thing because I know how easy it is for me to just like get excited and start talking all over all over um, the podcast episode. And uh, today I actually get to take a, step, take a step back a little bit, kind of let you lead the way. And um, before we do that, though, I just want to remind our listeners, if you missed the previous episodes with Taylor, you can go back to episode 162. We talked about how to design your photography business. And then episode 558, not very long ago, how to make more money by refining your brand. We'll link to those episodes in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Um, but Taylor, thanks again. I, I really, truly appreciate this. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me back. I it, It's such an honor. And um, again, I, I think I mentioned it on the last podcast. I love that you open with where you're donating your time and resources. And I know for us, my my husband, um, a couple months ago, signed us up to be a part of the, it's called the Ark Valley Helping Hands. And so it was one of the only organizations that allowed toddlers to come. And so we get to bring our two kids and help uh, like assist the elderly, whether it's doing yard work or cleaning windows or whatever they need help with. But, oh, it's been so rewarding, especially to get our kids involved. Um, yeah. They absolutely thrive and love it. That's super cool. I, there's, there's such a, an amazing experience. I, I had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time in, in um, I guess, I don't know, nursing home. Is that still the phrase that they use? Um, but in these assisted living, assisted livings, I, I guess, is maybe the more contemporary term. But I had the opportunity to, to spend quite a bit of time there um, in years past. And it's first of all, it's just an incredible opportunity to be able to, to give in, in one way or another. But it's also an interesting opportunity just to sit and listen and to learn from somebody who's been doing life a little bit longer, kind of hear their perspective. I think there's so much to be gained from that. So that, that's a really cool thing you're doing for your kids. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been super fun. So. I, I appreciate that, that you open on that note. Well, certainly. And um, I, I guess I, we'll just kind of jump right into it today. And again, for those that are new to you that don't know you, you all can get to know Taylor a little bit better in those first couple of episodes, episode 162, episode 558. Make sure you go do that. But we're going to jump right into this content today. We're going to talk about the not-so-awkward guide to posing couples. And Taylor, maybe you can just start <laughs> by explaining a little bit about where you came up with this guide. Where did this? What was the motivation to create the guide? Yeah, absolutely. Both with like the, the, the podcast that I've been on with you, Nathan, um, and my own podcast, people probably know that I'm very business focused and I'm sure people right 
now we're thinking, awesome, another posing course. Like, do we need another one? It's like coffee shops, you know, like, do we really need another posing course? But this really came to me, um, in, in two ways. One, as a model, um, I'm a mom with two kids. I'm married. I have my husband, um, who absolutely dreads family photos every single year. And so as a, as a person hiring a photographer, I started over the last few years picking up on things that I thought were totally normal um, or like that I just thought everybody knew in, in how I hosted my sessions. But then once I became the subject, I was like, oh, I guess not everybody knows this. And then as a photographer, Mike and I, my, my, my husband and I have been shooting together uh, pretty, pretty much, you know, um, just the two of us for a long time until COVID hit. And of course, until we had kids. And then we started working with other photographers. And as I brought on um, second shooters and associates, I was getting feedback from them that they were having so much fun at our sessions because of how we were hosting our sessions and how we were making the most of the very limited time that we had with our couples on our wedding day. Uh, we're not the kind of photographers who are like, we need need an hour and a half for portraits. Like we will make the most um, of what time we have. And we are very efficient at making it fun, give me, making them connect, um, getting authentic and really pure emotion out of them in a short period of time. And so between those two areas, very, very different roles that I was playing, I really realized that we were doing something different and I had to get it out of my head, which is why a lot of photographers create courses. I needed it out of my head and into like into writing into an actual program. Well, you alluded to some opportunities, shall we say, for photographers to maybe improve their approach to these sessions and particularly as it relates to couples. So let's start with a few common mistakes that you've seen photographers make when it comes to hosting a session, if you will. Yeah, before I dive into the three, I would love to like this overarching mistake that I was seeing was I felt like a lot of photographers were viewing their photo shoot as like the end game. Like, okay, cool, I got them. They signed, we're having the shoot, we're, we're done. And I was like, oh, no, this is just the beginning. Like, this is the beginning of you getting, like, this is such a golden opportunity for you to grow your business and explore load your business do not let this opportunity go missed and so that was one of the biggest mistakes like getting them to book and getting them to a shoot is not the end game or booking their wedding that's just the beginning of this beautiful opportunity for you to scale your business very quickly if you're hosting your session the right way um so hopefully that makes sense um but some of the 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 three common mistakes that i was noticing couples were or not couples photographers were making the first one is like it seems pretty um harmless but the biggest mistake was photographers were relying on pinterest to kind of recreate images and i i, I know it seems harmless but I, I love to use this example and I, I have lots of examples to kind of go with to go with these mistakes you know how much i love my analogies nathan but one of the analogies that i came up with was imagine you have to get a root canal now this is not like uncommon for people i've never had dental work but i am getting my wisdom teeth pulled in a couple weeks ooh, ooh, and i'm nervous yeah but if you're somebody who does get dental work and you go into the dentist's office and the dentist says, oh, good, you're here. I'm just wrapping up a YouTube tutorial on how to do this root canal. I'll be in in a few <laughs> minutes. Go relax. Yeah. Could you imagine? Point Could taken, you imagine? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I know photographers can go, okay, well, I'm not like sedating people and yanking teeth out and drilling into their skulls, but you are hosting a very intimate event and it's a very uncomfortable position to be in as a couple and so for you to only sit on pinterest one there's like so many reasons not to do this one you're just recreating images if you don't understand why you're using them what the point is or how that photographer why they chose to use that that specific pose or prompt if you don't understand it then you're just as good as the dentist watching a youtube channel right before drilling into your face so that's one of the biggest biggest mistakes and 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 then again as photographers we we we, we take pride in the work that we do create and so to simply try to recreate what somebody else has already done 
Um, that's not enough. So when you when you're hired to be an expert, you need to be just that an expert and a professional. So you need to like, I guess when, when you fail to establish yourself as the expert at your photo shoot, that is where the major missed opportunity is to quickly and organically grow your business. So, and you may have seen me looking down, I'm, I'm taking notes again, old school style with a notebook here and pen and paper. Of course. <laughs> when, when you, your point is taken and the analogy is a great one actually, but, but I'm also, I guess just to play devil's advocate, I'm thinking from a photographer's standpoint, certainly having been one myself, the question is where do you get the original idea or a set of ideas to become an expert if we're not going to somewhere like Pinterest or reading a book or going online or watching a YouTube video? Like how do we start developing that expertise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go into that here in just a little bit because, you know, it's it's not enough to say don't do this and not actually have like <laughs> okay. what you should be doing. Fair enough. Fair and enough. it's the, the reason and it's totally the reason that I created this course um, that I'll share about later. But I um, I was totally guilty of it. I mean, I was on Pinterest going, OK, what shot's going to look good at this time? And how do I, how do they actually do it? Why are they posed like this? And why did their hands like, so I didn't even understand. I was just early on in my career. I was really nervous. And so I would try to get inspired um, by creating Pinterest boards. But then ultimately as a creative, I was like, well, this doesn't feel good. This isn't, this isn't my work. I'm just looking mm. at what somebody else did and copying it. And I think, I think a lot of us creative struggle with that, like trying to be authentic and real. Yeah. You can't do that when you're just copying what someone else has done already. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll sit tight and wait then for the, the advice and recommendations to come. So <laughs> first common mistake, relying on Pinterest for inspiration or, or any other really source online for inspiration too right. much would be that first common mistake. What's the second one? So the second one is when photographers dismiss the fact that building trust is actually the number one element to getting your couples to show up for you. Um, when I was talking to photographers doing market research, because I did a pretty thorough, in-depth market research before I created this course course. Um, a lot of them, I would say, Hey, like, how do you feel like you build trust at your shoot? And they're like, well, I, I tell my couple where we're meeting. And I was like, and, and, and that, and that was really it. Um, I tell them where we're meeting and, and sometimes I give them ideas on what to wear. And I was like, all right. Um, and so again, with the analogies, um, imagine you're going on a blind date, you're going on a blind date. You literally don't have a picture of this person, their online profile. Let's say their, their name was Brad. That's all, you know. And Brad says, Hey, let's meet at this place. Like all the images, Images that would be going through your head involve like axes, like your drink getting drugged, um, like like you don't know what to wear. You're like, what is Brad about? What does Brad want? What is like? I don't really know what to do. So it's Brad, just it yeah. feels good, old Brad. It feels really uncomfortable to show up to a to a blind date where you don't know who you're meeting, and they just gave you a location. I mean that. But if you think about it. I mean, I live in Colorado, so for me to just tell a couple, hey, let's meet in the middle of the woods and I'll take your pictures and you can pay me. Like, how awkward is that and how un how unrealistic would it be for me to expect them to show up as their truest, yeah. most vulnerable selves for my camera? It's a great point. How does that... Yeah. So Brad makes everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> don't, um, but that's, don't be that, Brad. That's if we don't take anything away from this conversation today, don't be a Brad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a Brad. Come on, guys. But yeah, so the second mistake is dismissing the fact that you have to build that trust with your couples. And again, I'll go into like what that looks like um, before their session, because it is so uncomfortable. You can't just tell them, let's meet in this isolated location um, and it'll be great. I promise. That's not how it works. Um, and then the third mistake, Nathan, is photographers assume that when you give direction and you actually have a plan at your shoot, that it's going to eliminate um, the opportunity for candid moments and creativity. Again, when I was doing my market research, um, that was one of the biggest things photographers were telling me was, well, I can't like have like a plan and a guideline because then when am I going to get the candid moments? And I'm like, oh no, you're missing the point. We have to create those canned moments. And mm -hmm. if we're not creating them, then, you know, Show up for us. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a big, um, that was a big mistake that I felt like people didn't even realize was a mistake that they were making. And so I really wanted to shed some light on it. Um, 
and again, <laughs> one more analogy. Um, when Mike and I first started dating, we um, when when Mike and I first started dating, we I love to cook, I love to bake, and so I wanted to bake a cheesecake. But if I went to bake a cheesecake and I didn't have a recipe, what's going to happen? You're 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 going to get junk ultimately because cheesecakes are hard. You got to chill it, you got to bake it, you got to heat it. You don't want it to like crack and crumble and how much do you need? And then so I made this beautiful cheesecake because I had a recipe but it was missing some like tailorness. And so I had kiwis, I cut up some kiwis, I put some, I sprinkled some blackberries on it, I put some crumble on top, and that's where I really gave it its flair. But so essentially going into a photo shoot without a plan, without a roadmap, without understanding why you're using certain poses, why you're teaching them, why you're using certain prompts, it's like baking a cake and you're, I hate to say it, but you're gonna get crap if you don't have a plan or a recipe. Yeah, that's interesting. I, it, there's something that we've talked about quite a bit here on the podcast over the years, which is that the idea of structure and creativity or structure and being an artist aren't mutually exclusive, right? When we talk about mm -hmm. workflow, a lot of photographers turn off because like, oh, that's for the nerds and that, like, I'm just not into that. I'm an artist. I'm a photographer. And the reality is putting a little bit of structure in place then actually frees us up to focus on the stuff that we love so much. Because we know that the basics, kind of the, the underlying structure that, that creates such a great experience is there. That's in place. Now we have the freedom to focus on being creative. So these ideas of structure and creativity or structure, and in this case, candid moments, they're not mutually exclusive. They can actually coexist and they benefit. The one benefits the other. And I think that's a really good reminder for our listeners. That's great. Right. Absolutely. And, and I mean, again, as professionals, we're hired to be that we're hired to be a professional. And so simply just winging it and like hoping for the best, that's, that's not a professional approach. Um, and so, yeah, that's where, that's really where this course stemmed from was seeing these like repeated mistakes that I was like, this is not, this doesn't feel super great. And even like mistake number two, building trust, there's like, Again, we'll go into this, but there's building trust before the session, at the session, after the session, so that you're really monopolizing on this golden opportunity of having a photo shoot and getting paid for it most likely. But even if you're not getting paid for it, if you're early in your career and you're doing stuff for, for free or free creative freedom, um, it's still an opportunity to quickly scale your business. Well, we've talked about what not to do. Let's talk about what to yes. do. Uh, we, the three steps that are the three common mistakes that photographers are making. Let's actually talk about these steps. And I think you've got four primary steps to hosting an emotionally engaged couple session. Not not the stiff, you know, overly posed thing, but but and, and awkward certainly, but something that that is emotionally expressive and of course results in beautiful imagery. What are those steps? Let's get into those. Right. Yeah. So, so this is where having a framework and a plan to create like intentional pure moments between your couple comes in. Um, like you said, I do have like four pillars to hosting a successful emotional couple session. And obviously I call it like the not so awkward posing roadmap. Um, this happened, Mike and I were trying to come up with like a really fun name for this. And like, I know like clear is better than cute. And so Mike was like, let's just call it the not so awkward guide. And I was like, there it is. Like, cause it's perfect. Because one of the biggest words that I heard coming up from photographers was like, well, I just don't want it to be awkward. Or we get to this awkward moment or my couple doesn't like PDA or they don't, they don't want to connect or what if they're shy. And so it's awkward for any anybody we've literally worked with models before but you put them in a situation with their partner and it's awkward like it's <laughs> awkward for everybody yeah um so the 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 number one pillar um is just building trust very very simple building trust um before and during your session now this might be a shock to a lot of people even though it shouldn't your couples don't know how to show up for you they, they 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 really don't but building trust is the single most important element not only of your entire business model but especially in posing because there are nathan i'm sure you know like there's cultures where if you take a picture of somebody you take part of their soul mm -hmm. and that has always resonated with me because it's really painful to 
be in front of the camera. It's so painful. So your couples don't know how to show up. Um, if you go back to the blind dating example, it's really uncomfortable to show up for a stranger in front of their camera. And so building trust happens by way of your website um, and your welcome guide. Simply showing up on social media, that makes a huge difference, just showing your face on social media and connecting via email. And that's literally just before the session. Now, how you show up at the session and build trust at your session is where beautiful things like really happen. And you can really experience big growth as, as a business owner. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves and one thing that I get into in my course is do you communicate with people? Um, I come from a team sports background. I played soccer and lacrosse. I was the goalie in lacrosse. And so I was in the back of the field and the whole game, I was just like, you, you talking back girls open. Yeah. yeah way to go team. Yeah. And so that comes through in my in my sessions and not saying that you have to be an extrovert or have, have had to play team sports to understand communicating but if somebody's in front of you like how how are you handling that situation when they're in a really vulnerable position not not as a whole not not as one person but as a couple like there's a lot of intimacy there that we're trying to capture as creatives and so learning how to build trust at your shoot is a really you 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 have to make it a safe space for people to show up yeah and you know you. i, I want to throw this in here and we may have talked a little bit about this in the previous episode but it's important we talk about extrovert introvert i know that these are certain tendencies that people have and, and really what they represent are comfort zones right some people are less comfortable being more engaged or more talkative or more outspoken especially when it comes to people they're not super familiar with I, I'm, this is a little bit frank, I realize, but we need to set our preferences aside for a second for the sake of serving the client and creating a good experience for them. This is not about our experience. This is about their experience. And mm -hmm. I think that it would be a good thing, first of all, to be super empathetic. I, I was what I would have framed as an introvert for, for a very long time as well. And what I realized was I had to do a little bit of homework, some internal work in order to figure out what was causing those feelings of so-called introversion, address those issues, and then I was able to move beyond them much more comfortably. And I would encourage all photographers listening and or watching to do that very thing, whether it's with a therapist or just individually, to don't just say, I am dot, 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 and fill in the blank. Go back and understand what's driving that, because if you're then able to step beyond that tendency or that so-called comfort zone, we can, we can collectively as photographers provide a really incredible experience for our clients. I just want to throw that out there. I know that's not part of your course, but I, I think it's really important for photographers to move beyond these simplistic labels for the sake of serving the client. Thinking about the end client's experience this is not about us. This is about the experience for the client. I think it's really important to note. Um, and by the way, I, I have to, to throw in, so we've, we've got a couple of commenters from YouTube. Ludmilla says, Yay! hello from Seattle. And uh, Emily says, me too, I was a goalie too. Emily, you're part of the cool crowd, apparently. Taylor, did you play goalie in soccer as well? Or what, what position did you play there? No, I played, I, I was defense in soccer. Honestly, okay. I played for 10 years and I was never very good. But lacrosse, I was actually really good at. But it was okay. once I found my voice and once I got into a position like goalie where I knew what my role was on that team. And it was making everybody aware of what was going on at any given moment. And then you know, defending the goal. But um, I loved, loved lacrosse. Yeah, but helping lead and guide through communication, it's super, super important. We're, that's part of what enables this trust that you're talking about. So I'm, I'm glad that you emphasize that. And by the way, we've got a bunch of people live streaming with us. Y'all don't be shy. Jump in, comment, ask questions, yeah. say hello, and engage. Be part of the conversation. Don't don't uh, be shy. We, we'd love for you to, even if, if you want to send us a funny emoji, you can do that too. Uh, but Taylor, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm, again, I'm taking notes here. That first kind of pillar in creating these emotional couple sessions is the significant concept of building trust and leading the way through communication to that trust is, is super, super important. Please continue. I, I don't want to interrupt you too much. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Please, please interrupt. Please ask questions to everybody watching. I'm a totally open book and love this stuff. Um, 
one of the things you said too, Nathan, I think using those labels, introvert and extrovert, it's a cop out. It's a very easy thing to just um, slap on yourself and then live with. But like, just because you're, you might be more introverted than another photographer doesn't mean you can't learn how to communicate with people um, or at least utilize the gifts that you do have because introverts, quite frankly, probably do better in a situation like this because it's one-on-one time. Um, you're not performing for anybody. It's a one-on-one real connection, not point. you trying to impress people. And so it's, don't, don't use it as an excuse. Um, hey, hey you, the, the you second, said the word oh, cop out. I didn't. Um, just, just for everybody listening <laughs> for clarity. Sake, I will totally take it. Yeah. I love it. No, honestly, I mean, that's, that's internally what I'm saying, but I, I also can empathize with people. I get it. Cause again, I was, I was there as well. I just, I think we limit ourselves so much with this tendency that we have as human beings, especially in 2022 culture to, to want to grab a label or this label or that label. And I understand the psychology that drives that. But at the end of the day, if we simply like oversimplify ourselves with these labels, we're, we're limiting our ability to be able to move beyond that and be an even better person, an even better business owner. And then certainly in this case, be able to deliver an even better experience for our clients. So I, I love that you go there. And Emily says, love that. I have never thought about how being or how connecting being a lacrosse goalie and being a photographer go together. I love this conversation. Thanks for chiming <laughs> in, Emily. And again, for those of you that are streaming and we've got even more now, don't be shy, comment, and jump in and ask questions. Taylor, please continue. Awesome, yeah, so the second the second um, pillar, Nathan, I call speaking my language, and this is literally studying, well, first, let me back up, because I love this quote. I'm sure I've shared it on the podcast before, but if people like you, they'll listen to you, but if they trust you, they'll do business with you, and that's from Zig Ziglar. Um, that is one of my favorite quotes. And I think it's definitely something you should like tattoo on your forehead, take home with you. Um, trust, trust in business is everything, but especially when you're asking people to be vulnerable, intimate, sexy, make out whatever you're asking them to do in front of your camera, you've got to have that trust. That's a, that's a non-negotiable. And it is literally the, the, the foundation of our photo shoots and the foundation for, um, for, for my course that I offer, um, speak in my language. So this, I think as photographers, there's this tendency to like get a camera and go, I'm a photographer and I have a logo and it's great, but there's also, um, we're, we're very tempted, I think as photographers to study lighting and cameras and how to do all the things. But I think if you're especially focusing on weddings and working with couples, understanding body language and how to communicate emotion is a non-negotiable skill for any photographer. Um, I like the example, uh, imagine watching TV without emotion. Could you imagine like watching The Office without Dwight and Jim, like if they had no emotion or watching um, This Is Us and there was no body language, there was no emotion, there was no, yeah. you, you, you couldn't read between the lines. Um, I think photographers, every photographer should study body language. Um, and there are, like, again, this is something that I dive really deep into in my course, body language. Um, but one of the top things is this section right here for people who are watching, the eyes, the chin, and the collarbone, that communicates more language, unspoken language, than I think anything else. Like, of course, there's, like, crossed arms and stuff, but, like, the eyes, the chin, and the collarbone are three areas that like, I dive deep into in my course about how to utilize just this section on communicating an, an, an emotion. And I, it, I imagine it might sound really complicated if you're like, oh my gosh, I already have to think about this, this, and this at a shoot, but it becomes a second language. For so sure. studying body language is, is so important. Um, and again, I've, I've said this, but your couples, they don't know how to to show up in front of your camera and they don't know how to communicate their passion, love, playfulness, or connection for you. It is literally your job as a photographer to teach them how to show up and how to communicate that with you. So as I'm taking notes here, here, I I wrote down that, that first step or the first pillar being building trust. And then second, what I wrote down was learn to understand body language and how emotion is communicated. But you're talking about this kind of going both ways, right? This is both for your own sake as a photographer, but then also to be able to communicate that to the clients as well. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So communicating, like I'm all about open communication. If you send me an Instagram message asking questions, I will I will probably send you 15 voicemails with just open, transparent 
whatever, yeah. whether you were looking for it or not. So open communication. So at a shoot, you don't have to keep it a secret that you're trying to communicate a certain emotion. You can say, hey, I really want to showcase your passion right now. And this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm looking for. I always do that with our couples. I say, hey, I'm going to ask you to do this prompt. You're going to feel like an idiot, but this is what I'm going for. And then I show them the back of the camera and they're like, oh my gosh, that's like our real laugh. That's really us. And um, I'll get more into that in just a minute. But that like that body language is so, so important. Um, so learning, one of the things that I, I, I learned when I was um, hosting these, the, these market research calls was photographers were like, well, I know posing, but I guess I'm not getting the emotion that I want or the feeling that I want out of my photos. And so whenever you study body language, you learn how to execute a very specific feeling in your images with that body language. Okay. That's interesting. And, and for those of you listening, and by the way, I know that may even sound super deep and you're like, okay, but what does that mean? How, how do I learn more? Taylor's going to show or share a little bit um, at the end about how you can learn more about the course and, and what all is involved there. So uh, I'll, we'll save it for that. So first step, building that trust. Second, learn how emotion is communicated, both for your own sake as a photographer, but then ultimately to be able to communicate that, share that with your clients to enable them to be able to, to communicate that emotion in front of the camera. Uh, what's the third pillar? Yeah. Th so the third pillar I call master poser. Um, so this is where actual posing really comes in. Um, you know, that, that like cringe worthy question that you get from like the bride or the mother of the bride or even the groom or, you know, where they're like, Hey, could you just edit out my fill in the blank? Like, can you just make my arms smaller? Can you make my waist smaller? Could you yeah. make my, my butt a little like, I always just like, ugh, I crawl into a shell when people <laughs> ask that. But people make these requests out of a distrust where you can see like that, that foundation being mm. trust out of a distrust that you'll actually be able to pose them in the way that accents their best attributes, okay. hides their insecurities. And once again, it's your job as a professional, not only to guide them to look and feel their best but teach them and like i said with the lacrosse be their biggest cheerleader when they're in front of your camera so when you study posing you 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 really have to become confident and decisive when it comes to posing and executing a pose and with posing versus body language i mean like what do i do with my arms like i just, I, I always tell my couples, just do T-Rex arms if you don't know what to do. And that'll just remind me to tell you what to do with your arms. <laughs> what, what do you do with your arms? How do, you, how do you make somebody's waist smaller on camera so you're not altering an image in Photoshop? Um, how do you, what do you do with weight distribution? How do you post somebody's spine? Why would you think about the spine? Um, there's so many elements to posing and there's so many resources. I mean, I've, I've read tons and tons and tons of books on posing. I've studied posing and body language thoroughly, which is why I created the course. Cause again, all this stuff was in my head and I just had to get it out so that I knew it was out of my brain and I could move on with my life. Um, but studying posing is something, um, that this, this quote by by Jack Welsh, a leader, a leader's role is not to control people or stay on top of things, but rather to guide, energize and excite. And it mm. goes back to building this trust with your couple. If you are if they trust you, they'll do anything that you tell them to do. If you're if, if, if they know that you are um, posing them in the best way possible and you're not just like, go stand there. I don't know. Look good. Okay. Act natural. Like that doesn't build trust, <laughs> act, but when you're act actually like you communicating, like yeah. <laughs> act like you like each other. Um, but whenever you're actually telling them, Hey, whenever you bend your knee, that's going to shift your body weight away from the camera. They're going to go, I want that. And so there's just, there's things that you can do as a photographer to communicate with them how they are going to look their best and how you are going to capture them. So master poser, you have to just literally master posing. Um, and again, this, this goes beyond getting on Pinterest and going, well, their arms are draped here. Well, why are their arms mm. draped there? And, and what if people hate their arms? Like, this is not a flattering look. Like how do you, so there's just, there's, there's a lot of tips and tricks that photographers can learn yeah. to actually teach couples why you're, why you're shaping their body the way that you are. Okay, cool. Yeah, and you know, honestly, this is a this is a big weakness of mine. Um, I, I it was kind of like we're gonna go and I'm gonna look for some pretty light 
and because I, I shot weddings and of course did engagement sessions to go with that. And I, the idea of planning ahead and really learning a, a library of poses for the sake of making that experience super easy for the client was honestly a weak, a weakness of mine. So this is a good, it's a good reminder actually for me because I may actually start shooting a little bit again, but um, it's certainly a good reminder for all of us as photographers, not just to kind of skimp on that, but to actually go in with a plan with an intention to be that master. Um, I think that's really good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little guilty now. I should have done a better job of that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel guilty. That's okay. this is that, that that's not the point of this. Okay. But okay. I mean, uh, honestly, Nathan, like especially as wedding photographers, there are days where we have 15 minutes to do all the bridal portraits. And, yeah. and if I'm in there going like, well, I don't really know what I want. Nope, I have a literal plan of attack. I know exactly, like one of the things that comes up is session flow. My session flow, like what, what do I do with my flow? Like, I don't really like, it's not really flowing together. So we have like a full session flow that I talk about in the course. Um, here's how you start. Here's what you move into. And each one builds on the other. So the first one, well, I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute, but like they build on each other so that we, even if we have 15 minutes at a wedding, we're knocking it out of the park. We're going to kill it. And it's going to be a lot of different poses um, and emotions. And again, it's, 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 it's not memorizing necessarily um, poses or prompts. It's being able to create create anything with any couple in any situation and you go into it and you're like so fine-tuned like hey i need you to bend your knee because your hips are pointed towards my camera i need them to go away hey i need you to move away from your move your arm away from your body because it's going to do this i need you to point your spine like it's just acutely like tuning in your eyes to see things in like through your lens before you ever take the picture um the fourth pillar is i call connection creator or connection queen whichever you prefer um but it's at this point of your session that you're actually this is so important i hope everybody remembers this you're connecting memories to the photo shoot by way of prompts now this is a huge missed opportunity that i think photographers miss out on is actually creating memories at the shoot through these prompts and so if if you don't use prompts freaking if you don't take anything away from this incorporate prompts at your photo shoot because that is where the magic happens that is where storytelling actually gets pulled out and that's where your couple gets a chance to shine and actually tell their story like literally there are prompts that i have in this course um that has the couple telling their story or pieces of their story um it makes me so happy because i will see our couples like a year or two later and they're like hey taylor remember that prompt you gave us at our engagement shoot we used it during an argument last month and it totally fizzled out our really? whole argument that's yeah. cool okay <laughs> so you i mean there's nothing more that a photographer wants than for people to look at back at their photos and go oh that was so fun. Like that, that was one of the best date nights. Like your photo shoot should feel like a date night. It should feel like wow. an awesome event where you, where you leave feeling so connected to your partner and your photographer, um, versus leaving and going, well, that was awkward. Thank God it's over. Um, you, you want people to feel excited when they look back on their photos. And so master pose or sorry, not master poser, um, connection creator. Like, have you been one of the things that I, I love to ask photographers is have you ever been the one in front of the camera if you haven't go book a session right now because it's a very sobering experience to see what it feels like to be captured um if there's no guidance no direction it literally feels like you're naked in front of an auditorium um so go book a session if you have not um but prompts is prompts are where everything comes together it's kind of like that um sprinkling the uh blackberries or crumble on top of the cheesecake whatever um this is where you really get the deep emotion from your couples and you allow them to run the show um they're going to showcase their relationship in a safe space because you've at this point created a very safe space for them um, where they're actually going to show up as their purest selves. Um, this quote by uh, Cesar Pavis, we do not remember days, we remember moments. You want your couple to remember these moments. You want them to remember. And, and I know it's a bold statement to say your photo shoot should feel like a date night, but it should. Um, 
your couples, they're relying on you as a photographer to make memories for them. Like, what are they going to think when they look back in 20 years? It's one thing when it's their wedding, because there's a lot going on. But even in their wedding portraits, was that a really stressful situation where everybody was freaking out because you only had 20 minutes? Or was it the best part of the day because they got to actually like pull back back, refocus on what matters with you in front of the camera, um, and then go back in to celebrate. Like, are they going to say, well, that was awkward, or that was one of the best days of our relationship. So those are the four pillars. I, you're like, truly, and I'm just thinking again, as a photographer here too, I, like you're upping the ante because I never would have, I thought about creating a, a fun experience with my clients to a point, but the idea of having them walk away from the session, feeling like it was a date. I, I'm, yep. this, this has me curious. I'm like, Oh, I, I need to go. First of all, I need to get the course. Um, uh, secondly, I like, I don't know, like, I'm really curious to try to make that happen. What percentage of the time would you say you walk away from the sessions actually feeling like that? Cause that, that's the, like you're oh, raising the bar next level. Really? A hundred percent. I have had one couple, we've shot almost 400 weddings. I wow. have one couple, and even they, they still love their session, but like 10 minutes into their shoot, granted it was snowing. It was one of a big, it was a big winter snowstorm in Colorado. Um, we had our seven week old in the car and our two year old in the car. I was pretty postpartum. And so we're 10 minutes into the shoot and the groom goes, can we just wrap this stuff up? Like, I'm just done with it. Ooh. But they had a lot going on. We had a lot going on. And, but this was a very shy couple. And I said, give me five more minutes. Once you, because once you get, I always tell my couples, I'm not going to use the photos from the first five minutes because you guys are like getting comfortable. Mm, We're all yeah. trying to figure, and then after five minutes, it's yeah. like, boom, like, yeah. like everything like clicks. And so even the most introverted, non PDA couples, this works like when you build that trust it works and so every single shoot i've ever left i've been like gosh that was so good and i get such good feedback but you can see as a photographer from a business standpoint how if you can just really like do an incredible job at the photo shoot your business is going to explode because nobody wants to be in front of the camera ever nobody does there's like a few people who really enjoy it. Um, I don't mind it at all. But even when I'm in front of the camera, if I don't have that trust, if people aren't telling me what to do, if I look stupid, if I'm like fat, whatever, um, I don't, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, and yeah, so same. if you can really, if you can really master this, this portion of your business, you will see exponential growth in your business because you made people feel good. And that's yeah. like the number one key in business. Yeah. You know, and again, this is something we've talked about on the podcast, but it's, it's a good way to kind of sum up this conversation too, I think, and, and certainly more reason to, to get the course and understand more the, the, the nuance behind these points that you're making. It's very easy. I'm, for those of you not live streaming with us, I'm holding up my phone here, but it's very easy to take a good picture with my phone now. And it actually has been for, for years. The technology is there, which means that a lot more people have access to the ability to create a decent picture the idea of taking a good picture is not enough. And honestly, it hasn't been for a long mm -hmm. time. We have to think about creating an experience that not just warrants the, the higher price point that we're charging as established professionals, but also makes people feel good after the fact about the fact that they just made that investment. That is, that is huge. And if you can do that, then at that point, it's going to go beyond thinking about the money that they spent and thinking just about how absolutely elated they are not only with the certainly with the pictures but the experience that you provided for them the idea of walking away from a date night rather than walking away from a photo shoot that that's still that has my attention um that that is where it's at it's about the experience <laughs> at the end of the day and we really need to be further highlighting that at this at this stage in the game i've been in this industry long enough now to have seen the transition from film to digital and then of course the the essentially the advent of phone cameras and all that they've brought to the table and there's actually really interesting opportunities with that technology but it also kind of ups the ante for the established professional if they're going to continue at these price points and continue to develop and build their businesses they have to provide even more incredible experiences and if you all are interested, you can learn more about how to do that, um, certainly with this course. So let's actually use this as a segue then, Taylor, to talk just a little bit more, because I know that we we just kind of touched on each of these points and there's a lot more to each of them. Obviously, our listeners or viewers can learn more about the information in the course. Will you share just a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. So in the course, um, I do break down like a session flow and it's it's called like the not so awkward guide to posing couples you can go to not so awkward posing.com and there's just a ton of information um but i do dive really deep into each one of these pillars uh lots of examples but um on top of that there's also a behind the scenes video uh nathan and i don't i i don't do in-person um like mentoring um as, as far as like having people come to sessions with me um i don't i don't offer that because it's such a sacred place for my couples that I like to keep it that way. Um, but it includes a behind the scenes video uh, where I actually narrate the whole thing, why I used a certain prompt, what part of the of the flow we're in. And then there's also 57 um, prompt cards that I use at every shoot, my six go-to poses. You would be shocked to learn that I actually only use six poses at every shoot. Um, but the prompts are what make them very different. Um, and I bring love that them it's to 57 life. too. And like it's not like 60 or 50, it's 57. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I actually well, had Mike it pulled up I, on the site. That's really funny. Yeah, Mike and I were sitting and I was like writing down. I mean, for, for the last couple of years, I've been keeping track of all the prompts that I love using. Um, and there are definitely apps that like there's, um, there's, there's, I, I forget the, the name now, but, but there's apps that have prompts. Um, and, but these were just like, I've, I've never looked at those. These were just things that I started coming up with back in 2012 when I started my, my business and I've just been keeping track. And, um, there have been 57 that I have like tried and true. I love them. I'll, I'll test prompts out. And if they've totally flopped then I'm like, Ooh, never do that again. Um, but these are, these are my 57 favorites. And so, um, uh, and then of course there's the online course, but, um, we start with like, uh, going through all the pillars, but then with the session flow, the first thing that I start with is storytelling like this is the storytelling section of the shoot and this is where your couple is going to start getting comfortable these are the poses you can use because they're not going to be comfortable you you can't just have them show up and the first shot is okay go stand in that field and slow dance like that's not going to happen <laughs> so right. you have to work like with this with this this roadmap that i've created the first is storytelling the next stop is movement and actually how to get movement that looks good because i know a lot of us have done those shots where we're hoping for the best and it looks terrible um laughter is the next stop so there's uh storytelling movement and laughter and these are prompts and poses that you use to actually pull laughter out of your couples so it's real um and then intimacy is the next stop that's the fourth stop um is really getting those intimate kind of sensual shots with your couple but again you can't do that out of the gate because it's just going to be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And then um, portraits. I actually do portraits last because couples and their family and friends can look at a shot and go, oh, that's your fake smile. So by the end of the shoot, they're chill, they're, they're lax, they're having fun. Um, portraits are the last stop. And then I throw in the, the occasional wild card um, that's kind of like a detour, I guess, depending on your couple. Um, if they're, if they're digging it, like throw in some wild card prompts and, and, and poses. Um, but if they're over it, it's, you don't have to take that detour. You don't have to stop for a bathroom break. You can just be done with the shoot. Um, and then I can totally like, I, I know we've got a few minutes. I can share some of my favorite prompts. Um, one of my favorite ones for, for, for portraits, other than like, look at the camera and smile, um, because you can only use that once, right? Um, is I like to ask my couples what their favorite show to watch together is. And like for me and Mike, it's Schitt's Creek. Like we love Schitt's Creek, love okay. Modern Family. Yeah. I will, I've watched The Office from start to finish. But for some people, it's like, Ross and Rachel, uh, Jim and Pam. Um, so I have them take the main characters of that show and totally embody that those characters. And we've gotten uh. some hilarious shots. One of my couples, it was um, Rip and Beth from Yellowstone. Ooh, like I have goosebumps just thinking about that shot because they had their cowboy hats. And I was like, all right, channel, you're in a Rip and Beth. And okay. it was like incredible. It was good. Um, okay. So that's one of my favorites, kissing with your teeth. 
uh, is a really great intimacy shot, but it's also laughter because you try to kiss with your teeth and you're going to end up laughing. Um, I have one that's called sick piggyback where I have them. And this is more of like a, a wild card movement. It's kind of in, in, in that section of the session where I have them do a piggyback ride, but then try to buck them off or spin until they throw up, like just to try to make the person on their back sick. Um, so those are three of my favorite prompts that I love using at shoots. And it doesn't matter if my couple's comfortable with PDA or not, right. because they're focused on each other. Yeah. They're not thinking about the camera at that point. Um, so, well, so you yeah, have, I know that you that was a ton that, of like the laughter that comes from the effort to do those things. Cause I, I know that, I mean, I've worked with, I don't know, two to 300 couples as well. And, and. I can think of some of those couples, even if they weren't particularly awkward in front of the camera, the idea of asking them to do something like that may not have come as naturally for them, but then the effort to do it results in genuine emotional expression, which in and of itself creates an opportunity for really great pictures as well, right? Right, oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I talk about that in my course, like um, there's one section on building trust, like what, to not do at your shoot. And one of the one of the things to not do is don't put your freaking camera down. Like, because that's when the moments really happen. And I've seen that as a mom, I've seen it um, like as soon as the photographer's like, great, I got the shot I wanted. My kids are like, Wah! and my husband's laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> why did you bring your camera? And it happens all the time. And that's as a mom with kids. So I know with couples like, and I show some some examples in the course of like, hey, I was about to pull my camera down when this couple did this. Like, oh, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, but yeah, so the the course, if you go to notsoawkwardposing.com, you can find out more information about the course. You can purchase it. It's $127. I wanted to make it really um, affordable for photographers. Um, it's The price is probably going to go up in a few months because it's been incredibly uh, successful. I'm so proud of it. Um, but you can go buy it now and you can literally geek out on it like today's Monday and use it for your photo shoot tonight, tomorrow night, this weekend, at, at your next wedding. There's right. so much to take away from it. Yeah, I mean, you you can pace yourself if you want, um, but the feedback that I've gotten from, I, I had a photographer email me um, over, over the weekend actually, and she fooled me, dude. Like I thought she had been shooting full time. She's in Colorado. She's still working full time, shooting photography on the side. And I was like, you totally fooled me. I thought you were doing this full time. Um, and she has beautiful work, but she said that she used the stuff that she learned from this course um, for her first shoot this weekend. Um, and she said it's the best photo shoot she's ever had. And I was like, oh my gosh, send me pictures. And so the, the feedback I'm getting from my students taking this is just, oh, it makes me so happy to hear <laughs> um, to, to, to hear about the, the, the loyalty that they're building in, in, in their subjects. Brilliant. Well, I, I wish I had the, the URL typed out here for, for the live stream, but it's not so awkward posing.com, which is brilliant. I love that you've got that yep. URL. And then if you just want to go directly to <laughs> I'm a to, URL hog. Oh, it's same. There's uh, yeah. Yeah. A whole different conversation. It's fun though. Um, yeah. but there's, we also have Taylor's, I, I popped this up here on the screen. So it's taylorjones.com or.co rather directly to Taylor's site um, for those of you that are listening in. And by the way, Taylor is an active photographer too. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to like, talk about a course or promote a course but if you're not actually actively shooting it just kind of feels weird um so for for those of you that don't aren't familiar with taylor taylorjonesphotography.com you can see taylor's work there you can also follow her at taylor jones photography on instagram taylor thank you once again three times I, I think Nathan. we have maybe like yeah. i don't know four <laughs> people that have done that with the boca podcast thus far so you're one of a very few elite thanks for coming back and doing the boca podcast again with me today Thank you so much for having me. I have loved this time. <laughs>